Hi, guy. Hi, man. How are you? Doing good. How about you? I'm okay. I'm sitting in the home office holding a phone up to a microphone. Where are you? I am in a silver Nissan Pathfinder about 20 miles east of Kingman, Arizona, in the northern part of the state. You're in Arizona. You live in Ohio. How did you get to Arizona? What happened? Well, quite a story. I flew out to California on Tuesday, March 17th to visit my sister, mother-in-law, then six-year-old niece and four-year-old nephew for the first time in a year on a regularly scheduled trip. Despite everything going on in the world, I decided to make that trip because it had been a long time since I had seen the family and it meant a lot to me to see them. And then from there, it got kind of uh, crazy. I was only supposed to be in California for a week. Uh, a lot changed in the world and in the United States for a week. And I decided to extend and stay in California another week. And then when I got to the end of that week, which was on uh, Tuesday, March 31st, I made the decision to drive home in the rental car. Instead of fly home, I thought it was the safest thing. And also, for those who know me, you know I'm very adventurous. I have uh, an adventurous spirit all the time. And I figured it was the perfect time to make a cross-country trek. So, I started today, which is Wednesday, April 1st. I left my sister's home in Ridgecrest, California, which is in the high desert. It's a very uh, remote town of about 30,000 people. My brother-in-law is a defense engineer at the China Lake Naval Base there, and my sister teaches online human development classes. And yeah, so I'm heading uh, east now. There were two different ways I could have gone. I could have gone the northern way through uh, you know, Utah and Colorado and Nebraska and Iowa and Illinois and Indiana. And I decided to go the other way. It's about 100 miles longer, so uh, I crossed into Arizona this afternoon. I'm going to stay in Flagstaff tonight, and then tomorrow we, we start going through New Mexico and Texas and uh, into Oklahoma probably beginning Friday. So I've driven those roads. I've taken two round-trip cross-country drives, and then I drove around the country 30,000 miles in five months. So I've, I've been on those roads. I know where you are. I don't think I've ever spent a night in... Flagstaff, and I don't think I've ever been to Kingman. This is your first cross-country drive, and you're only a day in, and we'll get into more of this as we continue to talk along your road trip and, and later in this podcast. But what have been your early impressions, especially now with a lot of the country being in shelter in place? You have to get home eventually. You know, my sister lives in Vermont Place, and I visited her. I think I've been out there. Uh, at least a dozen times since she moved there seven years ago. My niece actually turned seven when I was out there, so that was part of my reason for staying, too. My niece wasn't going to have a birthday party, so it was kind of cool to stay and you know, have Uncle Guy there for, for, for seventh birthday. I never spent a birthday with one of my nieces and nephews, so that was really special this past weekend. Uh, I've driven on these roads. I've never driven on this stretch of Interstate 40. Uh, for an extended period of time, but I've driven from places like Barstow, California, to, to Las Vegas for my sisters, and from my sisters, 
Los Angeles or San Diego. Uh, Interstate 40, this is, there aren't really any, I haven't really gotten through any cities yet, big cities. There aren't that many on this stretch of Interstate 40. It seems business as usual. You have truckers, you have cars. You really couldn't tell that something crazy is going on in, in the country by just looking at the road. They're pretty remote stretches of interstate anyway, and the, the, the scenery is incredible, just a lot of mountains, and it was, there have been desert wildfires, it, it's been a bit wetter in the, in the California desert, so that was cool to stare at, uh, you know, washes, they call them, areas that look like uh, ships and rivers, but they're completely dry, uh, you can't really tell anything crazy is going on in the country, my, my first stop was like golf go figure on that one and it was sort of I played a golf course called Sarah Cliffs in Kingman, Arizona, a municipal golf course I wasn't going to play golf today, this is kind of just a get a six hours out of the way uh, evening drive but it, the urge hit me and it, it was a beautiful evening so uh, I first started I could tell that things were a little bit different on the golf course because they had foam in the cups, no rakes uh, one person per cart, although I was walking, so it didn't really affect me. But uh, really, right now, you, because it's such a desolate part of the country, and you're not really near any major metropolitan areas doing this, you can't really tell that we are in this uncertain period. You've got probably, what, almost 2,000 more miles to go, give or take? I think, I think uh, Phoenix to Cleveland is exactly 2,000 miles or within a few miles of that. So you've got about 2,000 miles to go? Oh. Yeah, so it's 2,300 miles from Richmond to where I live in Middleburg Heights, Ohio, which is next to the uh, Cleveland International Airport. And Flagstaff is about 450 miles from Richmond. So I'll have gotten you know, below the 2,000-mile mark on the first afternoon and evening. And for me, that's fine. I want to rest well tonight. Kind of set a good foundation for the... The uh, rest of the trip, I'm leaving things really open-ended. I'm not even sure if I'm going to get home late Saturday night or Sunday. Uh, I'm going to kind of freestyle it. I have some things I want to do. I know that I'm going to stay tonight, Flagstaff, and then tomorrow night I have a hotel room book in Amarillo, Texas, and then, you know, from there I'll make some adjustments. There's some things I want to see. I want to play golf. I have some rules for the trip, too, if you want me to go into those. Sure, what are those? Yeah, so I'm not going to listen to anything about the coronavirus on the radio. I, I don't watch TV unless it's live sports to begin with, so in the hotels I'm not going to turn on the TV. Uh, you know, social media, I'll go on there to, to post our golf course industry content and see how people are engaging with our Twitter feed, and I'll be posting a lot of pictures from the trip. So I'm really going to stay away from every mention of the coronavirus. Of course, it's the big uh, situation hanging over for the trip, uh, hanging over this whole experience. I wouldn't be going home on April 1st. I'd have been home for a week already. And I'd have been flying back on the uh, March 24th instead of driving back here in early April. So it completely changed the whole course of this trip. But really, I'm going to use the way to see the country, uh, work on some things, experience a few things. Uh, you know, For those who know me know that I love to hike and trail run, and I'm hoping to do some of that on the way back to, but, uh, you know, there isn't going to be that much time for diversions because those that have driven across the country know that if you go off and stop and do every side trip that you 
you want to do, you're never going to get home in that set of time. You know? Especially when you're traveling solo. I've done trips solo, and I've done trips with my wife, Carolyn, and you are a heck of a long-distance driver, but I imagine at some point in the next four or five days, it will hit you like a wall of bricks, and you will just be exhausted, and you will conk out as soon as your head hits the pillow somewhere. What do you mean, uh, what do you mean uh, I'm, I'm doing this alone? It's uh, 8.30 mountain time, and I'm talking to you, so I'm going to have some, some uh, you know, voices in my head. I'm sure I'll be calling some other people in the office, calling family, calling calling friends. Uh, and Matt, the thing we're doing right now, podcasting, well, podcasts can keep you company for a long time, and I'm already listening to uh, three and a half hours worth of them just today, and I, I'm also going to freestyle those, so I don't really have a listening strength now. I'm going to listen to one. If I listen to one, it might spark an interest in something else, and then I'm going to go and listen to another one based on what I'm listening to, so it's going to be kind of freestyle podcast listening, too. And most of them will be about golf. Right, you've got the podcasts. I'm calling every day. You're calling friends and family, but you're still driving solo. Like that's that's the point. You can only drive so many miles and so many hours in a day before it just kind of hits you. And I've seen you drive through the night. You you are a machine behind the wheel more than most folks, but day after day after day it just from experience, like it it will hit you at some point, I'm sure. Well, and this is kind of bittersweet because this was the day that I had a Myrtle Beach golf trip planned with some friends. There were 12 of us driving down from Northeast Ohio to Myrtle Beach. This would have been the first day of the trip, so I would have been making a long drive this week, too. We would have, we were driving to Myrtle Beach, and we were, we were playing golf all day uh, Thursday, the April 2nd, Friday, April 3rd, and Saturday, April 4th, and then we were going to drive home, too. So that was going to be about 24 hours of driving that week, this week anyway, to go to Myrtle Beach and back. Of course, this is a bit of a, a longer trip now. You were talking about playing today, and you'll obviously play at least another round or two on the rest of your drive back. You played, and you had some rounds planned anyway, for your original scheduled trip out to California. Where were you playing for that? Because this is ostensibly a podcast about uh, traveling and, and visiting courses. Yep, so I, I landed at LAX on Tuesday, March 17th. It was eerie. I mean, the airport is usually at overcapacity. It's one of the biggest airports in the world. Uh, quite honestly, it's one of the least user-friendly airports in the world. And you land it, and it was... You went right to baggage claim. It took about half as long to get the baggage... Uh, took no time to get to the rental car center. Got the rental car and headed right up to Rustic Canyon, a fabulous public course designed by Gil Hans, with help from golf media personality Jeff Shackelford in Ventura County, in, in the town of Moorpark, north of Los Angeles. Zipped out there. The freeways were empty by Los Angeles standards. We're going above 60 miles per hour the entire time, which never happened midday in Los Angeles one of the worst traffic cities in the United States. Probably top three or four worst traffic cities in the United States. Somebody even said the worst, I guess. It, it just depends what you can tolerate your mood when you're doing those type of rankings. I had a wonderful time at Preston Canyon. It was packed, packed. I mean, 
they were calling your name over a speaker to reach your tea time. Now, I was there as a single, and I got paired up with the people who worked in the TV business. That was quite fascinating because they were cutting content deals out on the golf course. We were walking, uh, playing this wonderful golf course that had all these neat design features. It's open to the public, an area where you know, there aren't a ton of great public golf options, and the ones that are there are, are always crowded. Rest of Canyon uh, packed. A superintendent, Jeff Hicks, and team do an unbelievable job of upholding Joe Hansen's original design intent, uh, intent, which involves a lot of the ground game. Uh, the golf course is very firm, especially the approaches. The approaches were just wonderful. You could play so many different types of shots. You could, you could put the ball you know, 20 to 25 yards off the green if you really wanted to. Uh, the, the, the bunkering was authentic and and they were really, really strategic. Uh, some of the views on the back nine were outstanding. I mean, I absolutely loved the place. It was uh, one of those spiritual experiences, you know, a place that I definitely want to get back to. But at that point, like I said, it was Tuesday, March 17th. Uh, it's a little bit of a different situation than we are now. Wednesday, April 1st, uh, there were still flags in the cup. There were still bunkers on the course. There were still people riding in carts in tandem. Uh, the grill of the course was closed, but you really had not seen the effects for some of the measures that were taken because of the coronavirus. I'm sure, uh, you know, a day or two after that, everything completely changed. And my second golf experience in California was on Monday, March 23rd. Uh, so my, the town my sister lives in, as I mentioned, called Ridgecrest, the, the, the big economic driver there is the naval base. And the only golf course in, in that town of about 30,000 people is on the naval base. You get clearances to, to go play, and I didn't really want to you know, have to pull any strings with my brother-in-law. So uh, the next closest golf course is about 30 miles up the road in a very small town, less than 1,500 people, a, a rough, rugged, remote place where a, um, a mine of searless minerals is really the only industry town called Trona, California, on the way to Death Valley. Well, they have a golf course there that is surrounded by a chain link fence that is basically a desert, dirt, scrubby golf course. The only green are the greens, and, and most of the greens are only 50 to 70 percent turf color. Uh, they have a sprinkler system, but it's a manual one. It's an honor box. You get there, you throw in your five bucks, you play. Uh, there's not a single person out there. I, got the, I played it in 2017 on a, a visit to my sister's. I decided to play it again, this time with everything that's going on with the coronavirus. I was the only person on the golf course. No signs of life until I get to the uh, eighth hole, hit a ball in some sagebrush, and see something moving. Uh, put my club in there to dig out, and my club scrapes a uh, red coach whip. And you know what a red coach whip is, Matt? That's a snake. Yeah, it's called a red racer. It's a, uh, it's a snake that's fairly common in the desert in the south. I took a picture of it. I sent it to iNaturalist, which is a great app and community scientist that will identify the wildlife that you see. And I thought I was really cool, Mr. Tough Guy out in the desert here, no one going uh, pretty close to the snake. Well, the snake wasn't venomous, which is probably fortunate for everyone involved, especially me, uh, being, uh, being somebody that likes to take pictures and really enjoys seeing wildlife on the golf course. I was probably a little bit of, uh, too close to that snake to tell you the truth, but that was a wonderful golf experience. To be in the, the, the California desert, 
fucking city. In fact, there was an earthquake that came through Ridgecrest and Trona last summer. It didn't get a lot of uh, national coverage. It was pretty devastating. Trona is another important. Trona is one of the one of the most rugged towns that I've ever seen. Uh, uh, I've been pretty fortunate in my jobs to get to travel a lot. Uh, when, when I covered sports in Pennsylvania, I got to see a lot of the old coal and steel towns. And, uh, I've seen a lot of Appalachia and some old coal mining towns in western times in the United States. It really hit, hit me being on those two golf courses, just how lucky I was to be out there playing golf. And those are the two golf course experiences that I had in California on this trip. And what was planned, and then the, 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 the Toronto one was kind of on a whim on an afternoon when I was at my at my sister's and uh, my niece and nephew had some school stuff to do, so I started to drive up the road and, and get some golf in there. So it's getting late. It's almost 9 o'clock uh, mountain time and almost 11 o'clock eastern time. You're normally a fairly early-to-bed, early-to-rise guy. Are you... Are you going to bed here soon, or or what's your plan for night one of this uh, first cross country road trip? To get the Flagstaff by seven p.m., I get to the room, do some computer work, catch up on some emails, uh, do some things that we need done for uh, the digital end of golf course industry, do some social media, and that got thrown out the window when I was driving on Interstate Forty. Like I said, it was beautiful out, and uh, played golf courses nearby and saw this summer push course in in Arizona and playing out there and then stopping at In-N-Out Burger, which was a mile from the golf course. That was, uh, that, 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 that's put me behind two and a half hours, maybe even three hours, but that's a good two and a half, three hours behind to be. Those are the right reasons. And that's the whole point of this trip is to, to do some things that are kind of on a whim and work, work planned and, uh, uh, I absolutely enjoyed my time at, at, at Server Plus tonight. It's a lovely, Golf course superintendent Patrick Friend and team had it playing. Uh, unbelievable. The views were amazing of, of the cliffs that surround this town and some of the mountains. I believe they're called the Server Mountains. And the, the, the Halupi or the Havape Mountains are here. Keep in Arizona, too. Uh, I didn't really do a lot of research about the course or town before I played there. Usually, when I go to a place, I do a lot of research before I go to that golf course and even I do research about that town and community. But because this something that I decided while driving uh, around 5 p.m. today. I didn't get to do as much background research, and I probably don't sound as well-versed on it as I usually am about a golf course, but it was an awesome experience. Uh, like, a, it's a good reason to be behind to start the trip. And, yeah, I am kind of, uh, I'm probably like a lot of our readers. I, I, I go to bed early, I wake up early. I don't quite wake up as early as our readers, but usually I'm in bed between 9.15 and 9.45, yeah, so this will be a bit of a later thing for me, but later in a good way. And tomorrow is going to be interesting because I'll be driving through New Mexico, and I've always wanted to drive through New Mexico. And there's some awesome natural landscapes, and there's some great public golf in that state. Well, the entire state of uh, New Mexico has golf shut down right now, so my plan is probably to play somewhere in Arizona in the morning, uh, maybe do a hike in New Mexico in the afternoon and then make it to Amarillo in the evening. So uh, that kind of stinks not to play golf in New Mexico, but that's the situation we have. Some states you can play golf in right now, but you can't. And New Mexico 
in right now. Well, I wish you could enjoy the land of enchantment more, but enjoy Arizona and New Mexico and western Texas, and let's talk tomorrow. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Uh, thanks for staying up and doing this. Uh, you're a much better night person than I am, and you know, thanks for holding everything back down in Ohio when I've been gone from it for much longer than expected. Oh, so you didn't listen to my Neapolitan suggestion. All right, that's fine. I already had been, the drive through was so quick, I was already through it by that time. <laughs> nice. I didn't get the fries. I eh. actually never get the fries. There. Okay, so, so the fries are normally garbage at In-N-Out, but what I have found is if you get them double fried, they are much better. <laughs>